Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Well, Hammer, I'm old enough to remember earlier this month when Joe Biden, the president, said he was not worried about an auto strike and didn't think it would happen. Welp. <laughs> As of midnight last are. night, uh, there's an auto strike. Nothing in Indiana yet. I mean, there's three giant plans in Indiana that could be affected. Looks like they're going to roll this strike out in waves, right? Yeah, and those that are currently on the picket line are receiving strike funds. But what's going to be interesting is once they expand this thing out, does everybody get strike funds? And how much funding do you have for a strike of this magnitude? Right now, it looks like workers are getting about $500 a week in strike pay. And that's not too, that's not a lot. No, it certainly is not. And this is just the beginning. They're wanting a massive strike. But again, they're rolling it out slowly right now. As of today, nothing yet in Indiana. Yeah. Even though the agreement expired at 11.59 p.m. last night, so far in Indiana, everything seems like it's the same as it was yesterday. Oh, here, right here. I got it for you. Right here. Company. Uh, this is this is why you, the, the union has a little bit of an advantage here. The, the union has $825 million in what they call a strike fund. $825 million, which would be depleted in just a few months if all 146,000 workers walked out. So that's that's good and bad. It's a big number, so that's probably why they're trying to stagger these, these, these rollouts, these strikes. The UAW president, Sean Fain, uh, he spoke to reporters last night. He says this plan of a slow rollout creates leverage for the automakers these companies got to come to the pump for the for their workers they want to call them family when it's when it's when it's when it's easy but you know what the proof's in the pudding and you know what they haven't been there they haven't taken care of their workers we went backwards in the last 16 years backwards so right now just three states are having the picket lines active if you will organized labor has been successful though you take the ups strike Remember when that was about to happen? And that would have caused serious reverberations in the economy. Teamsters won uh, wages for some of their top drivers upwards of 50 bucks an hour. But were those folks fighting against their bosses as far apart as the auto workers are and the big three? Because they're not even close. And again, right now, uh, 3,300 Ford workers in Michigan, 3,600 GM workers in Missouri and 5,800 Stellantis workers in Ohio are on the picket lines. More to come, but they're not even close. And for the first time in the union's 88-year history, they're taking on the big three all at once. Now, if you're not familiar with what exactly is at stake here, this is what the dispute is about. The UAW the auto workers, they want a 40, 40 40% raise and a 32-hour work week. Now, the Ford CEO, Jim Farley, 
He has thoughts on those demands. If we signed up for the UAW's request, instead of making money and distributing $75,000 in profit sharing in the last 10 years, we would have lost $15 billion and gone bankrupt by now. Uh, the average pay would be nearly $300,000 fully fringed for a four-day work week. There is no per way. Per employee, per UAW per employee. employee. Yeah, this is our fully tenured school teacher in the U.S. makes $66,000. Some of the military or firemen makes mid-50,000. This is four, five times, six times what they make. There's no way we can be sustainable as a company. That's why we put our proposal in two weeks ago to say, look, you want, you want us to choose bankruptcy over supporting our workers? Here's our proposal. Let's work through this. We've heard nothing. That is crazy. $300,000 for every employee for a 32-hour work week. i got to be honest with you. I love this show. I like hanging out with you every day, man. We get paid very well, but if I can make uh, three hundred grand working four days a week. <laughs> See ya! <laughs> bye! But, well, bye! But no, he's right. It, it does have a, a, an effect not only on the economy. I mean, the auto workers... These plant, these auto plants, th that industry accounts for like three percent of the U.S. economy. And when they went on the strike, there was like a forty dollar, a forty day UAW strike back in twenty nineteen. GM alone cost that cost them for for just forty days three and a half billion dollars. Now I know the Ford CEO. He said that they put forth a plan that they thought was fair. It was a 16% pay increase and a lot of other things, more vacation time. It was all on the table. But again, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, says he's not getting a lot of cooperation from the folks on the other side. He didn't even acknowledge our offer that Bill Ford, the chairman of the company, made two days ago until last night. And we still have not uh, gotten an offer. I don't know what Sean Fain is doing, but he's not negotiating this contract with us as it expires. But I know he's busy planning a strike. We don't want it. I know he thinks this will be a historic strike with all three plants, all three companies. But we want to make history with a historic deal. <laughs> Every time I hear the name of the CEO, Jim Farley, I think, y'all are going to be living in a van down by the river. I'm probably the last guy in America that found out that's his cousin. Chris Farley what? is the cousin of Jim Farley. I was Farley. just joking. No, that's 100% true. The related? Look at his picture, Nigel. <laughs> okay, no, I haven't seen the picture. Look oh, up <laughs> CEO for Jim Farley. All the Farleys look alike. Kevin Farley, okay. Chris Farley, and Jim Farley. That <laughs> is the cousin of the late grade Chris Farley. Oh, Allison, did you know that? Because I found out yesterday, and I thought I was the last guy in America. Oh, I had no that. idea. And I no, thought Nigel was joking. That's hilarious. I'm looking at him right now. Identical, as the prosecutor would say in My Cousin Vinny. All the Farleys look alike, yes. every one of them. And that is indeed the cousin <laughs> of Chris Farley. Wow. Uh, we've got some fallout from the Hunter Biden situation here. The indictment. So Politico has an article today that Hunter Biden's attorneys are ramping up their attempts to get the IRS whistleblowers prosecuted. You know, it's funny. When people were blowing the whistle against Donald Trump, everything was fine. Yeah. But now these prosecutors are going after the whistleblowers because they said, and I'm paraphrasing, Hunter is a crackhead scumbag. <laughs> Again, paraphrasing sure. right there. 
Here is a Republican representative from the state of South Kakalaki, South Carolina, in your face, Nancy Mace. I, I want to subpoena everybody. Hunter Biden, the bookkeeper, business partners. Uh, I would like to see more whistleblowers come forward. I know that Ways and Means has interviewed whistleblowers, but because of their investigation, they've got to do uh, an executive vote before that information can be made public so that those um, agents aren't uh, charged with a felony. But we've got to get the bank records first. I mean, it's exactly. the chicken before the egg. Hunter Biden is not going to tell the truth under under oath. And so we want to make sure that we have all of the financial statements and records in accordance with the transactions that allegedly happened. And so that way we know if he's telling the truth. I mean, you've got to have that. There's got to be some due diligence. We've got to be deliberate. We've got to be factual. We have to tell the truth. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Who was that? Nancy Mace? Is that yes. who that was? I don't care about the gun charge. I think this whole thing is rigged from the beginning. I mean, the fact that David Weiss had spent years investigating this crap, then was appointed special counsel after the original plea deal blew up as evidence of that. And I just, I, like, it needs to be more than, like, I don't care about the gun charge. It needs to be uh, financial crimes, tax fraud. What happened to the failing to register as a foreign agent, which all could be tied back to Joe Biden. The gun charge is probably the, the least of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's worries. It, it is, as a matter of fact. It spent all those years investigating Hunter because he lied and said he wasn't on drugs when he bought the gun. You talk to me when you get hit with the failing to register as a foreign agent. You can't lobby on behalf of a foreign firm in the United States without registering, and, and, and Hunter Biden didn't do that. All this needs to lead back to the big guy. And it's similar to, you know, an Al Capone type of situation, right? Al Capone wasn't arrested for murder or, you know, robbing somebody at gunpoint or being a gangster. It was tax evasion. That's what they got Al Capone on. Once you get him for something, then you can start doing more investigations, piling things on top of that. And I think you're going to see that with Hunter. And Nancy Mace is right. Hunter is going to have to take the stand or give testimony under oath. And there's a lot of documents out there that if he lies just a little bit, they're going to hit him with perjury and he's going to have to be locked up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Nigel show. Yeah, Hammer's here. Also joining us live in studio, uh, Representative Lauren Boebert's dream man. That would be <laughs> that would be uh, WIBC traffic beast Matt Bear. Uh, Lauren Boebert, the uh, yeah. representative from Colorado, she was at some play. I think it was like Beetlejuice. It was Beetlejuice the musical. The musical, which that's interesting to me as it is. And the folks there said she was basically creating a ruckus because she vaped and somebody complained about it. They said she was being a pain in the ass, pulled the do you know who I am card. Mm. And the first thing Nigel and I thought about oh, was, yeah. how do we hook her up with Matt Bear? <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, well, I, I, uh, Lauren Bober, uh, Congress, where's she from? Colorado. 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 Yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I, I, I find her attractive. I really do. Um, and and I, she's, it's not just the vaping, yeah. is it? it it's, well, the vaping started it. Um, <laughs> and then I looked her up and saw that she got, she was separating. So I was like, yeah, I can be attracted to this woman. You That's can fine. be uh, the wait. rebound skank. I, I can be the rebound oh, skank. What do you mean she's separating? <laughs> I didn't see it. She's she getting a divorce? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. So, I, I, have... Hey, I wish it on nobody. I really do. 
Um, but you, I know one thing you guys have in common. That could be something you talk about to kind of get things rolling. You both love a good vape. You know it's a great icebreaker. It really is. What flavor are you vaping right now? And then I can say <laughs> custard monster. And she's like, you're the man of my dreams. <laughs> That's how it rolls off every time. How, how, many, va- how many vapes do you currently own? Uh, about... Is it is it like say. is it like my me with my readers? Uh, like I have a pair of readers in every room in my house, next to my bed, on the toilet, next to the couch. One right here I keep underneath the computer in the studio. Is that the way it is for you? Only with vapes? It's exactly like that. <laughs> um, a, exactly he's like got that. A yeah. Bathroom vape. Yeah, I do. You guys realize that really your do. glasses and your vapes are stored the same way that Joe Biden keeps classified documents, yeah. right? <laughs> There's some in the garage, there's some next to the can, (laughs) the trunk of the Corvette. My my Corvette was burned down onto my Mass Ave garage, I guess. Um, No, yeah, yeah, vaping is a habit. It's a love of life. And I I know Lauren does it, and I do it. We can be fully uh, calm with our nicotine together and and share each other's vapes. I think it's a great idea. Does the weather affect the flavor of vape? Like, do you wake up and look outside and go, it feels like a vanilla day? Oh, that's attitude, man. That's uh, (laughs) what flavor you want is all. Pumpkin spice? Pumpkin spice vape? I've been looking. Um, it's it, it's like <laughs> your vape flavor is like your mood ring. <laughs> this, one, this one says I'm angry. This one says I'm heartache. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's more. It's whatever flavor you vape determines your mood. It's, it's a great oh, thing. Oh man, uh, anything road-wise we need to keep an eye on this weekend if somebody's making a roadie or they're going out anything they need to keep an eye on it is a big one it's 40 over in plainfield it goes down tomorrow morning after 9 30 for the quaker day festival and i know the town of Pl- i remember these small festivals i grew up like in a small town of Missouri oh, yeah. in rochester indiana and they're so awesome beach groves fall festival yes! tomorrow now yes! if you remember what happened a year ago boss hogsett oh, yeah. uh got booed from my mom and dad and he thought he'd be cute and try to walk up to the house and you know talk to him hey why are you booing me and that's when my old man stone cold steve hammer just gave him the business <laughs> and asked him where he was at during the riots and like of all the houses in beach grove for joe hogsett to try to get cute on he picked casa de hammer <laughs> it's beautiful he could just walked over to walmart you know I mean, it's beach grove it's right there have the fun you know? i told him tomorrow if he gets out of that motorcade and he starts going up doing his big goofy thing you gotta roll tape you got to yeah. record it this I time. I wish I had that on video from last year. I just wish I had You know what else I hate, by the way? Yes. the um, uh, Over there in Carmel 421, oh, there's nightmare construction going on there on the weekends especially. I got stuck for like 15 minutes just trying to get to 465. Uh like just wait like because it's down to one lane there in 421 headed to 465 right yeah it's um you know that area uh, i i do and, and and i know the construction is an interesting conversation i had with our new anchor this morning ryan hedrick um and he was he's from the baltimore area and he actually said out loud without any prompting whatsoever this is the worst construction i've ever seen in my life wow he's from the dc baltimore area and right. that is the stuff and he comes to indianapolis and says our roads suck <laughs> what is that i, I I mean, that, that, that was, I mean, that gave me a moment of clarity right there about what we're dealing with. Um, it definitely left an impression on me. I mean, our roads are really terrible right now. I said to myself this afternoon, I'm not taking Michigan Street. I'm not taking Penn because I know they're under construction. Well, I ran into construction on Washington, <laughs> East, and Alabama. So, you know, you just can't get around it. I mean, it's there. It, it's it's everywhere. So we got about 30 seconds left, Matt. I want you to respond to this tweet that just came in. Because, again, Nige and I get mean tweets all the time. That's sure. part of the gig. This one's kind of a mean one to you, so I'm going to let you respond. Garrett tweets at us, at Hammer and Nigel, vapes are just metal cranks. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm cleaning this up for the radio. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I see. First of all, I, I think bongs and oneies are more phallic-like than vapes are. Right. That thing that Matt Bear has right it now. Hold like it up a, to the YouTube camera. It, 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 it looks like right. a credit card or a, right. it looks like a mini <laughs> iPhone or something. Right. It's not a crank. Guys, my other twelve vapes do look like cranks. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he, Garrett's got me here. It, it is. Okay. Where can people follow you and stalk you and love you? Uh, please at Matt and Traffic. A great group of people there. Not just talking about traffic, but other things. We'll just have a lot of fun on Twitter at Matt and Traffic and at WIBC Traffic. Uh, we revised the Facebook page for WIBC Traffic and were promptly kicked off 15 minutes later. Uh, <laughs> that happened earlier this morning for no rhyme or reason, but we are back on Facebook, so uh, please join us there. Thank you. The best in the business, Matt Bear. Thank you. Love you guys. Great to be here. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. Tommy Piggott is the RNC Rapid Response Director. You can see some of his work on the popular Twitter handle, at RNC Research. By the way, that Twitter handle, uh, dubbed by Politico the White House's least favorite Twitter account. That is a badge of honor right there, yeah, Congratulations. Tommy. Congratulations on that. It, it is indeed. It is indeed. We have a great team here. And, uh, yeah, I saw that, and we, we put it in a frame on the wall. So. <laughs> All right. Big week. Uh, we've got stories about both Bidens going on right now. Impeachment inquiries, Hunter's indictment. Let's start with Hunter Biden. Your thoughts on the indictment. Well, I think it was an indictment that many saw coming. It was an, an indictment that Hunter seemingly admitted to in his book in terms of the, the underlying gun, gun charges crimes. Uh, so, I mean, it was a, a major part of what people saw coming. But I think, and Republicans pointed this out, it's sort of almost a separate issue at this point to what really the larger scandal is. There are serious allegations of corruption. And if this is the end-all, be-all of the special counsel investigation, if this is the end-all, be-all of the investigations into the money that's been flowing to different bank accounts, of the allegations of influence peddling. If this is the end all be, be all, then it's not it's not enough. We need a full investigation into what is happening, into all of these allegations of corruption. Uh, it really is a serious question. And, and this gun charges indictment, while important, is really a separate question to that. Yeah, it has nothing to do with Joe Biden. It's it's the easiest charge for Hunter and Joe. I don't think we're going to see any. First of all, I don't think we're going to see any result from this charge. He's going to you know serve community service or get hit. You'll put a ankle monitor on for a couple of months. But you know, it's like talk to me when he gets hit with uh, failing to register as a foreign agent. You get a FARA charge in there or something like that. That could be tied back to Joe Biden. You are so right. This this really ultimately needs to be. A, a thing where it leads back to the big guy. Yeah, and I think that it needs to be that case to follow the facts. I mean, it, yes. this is the difference between Republicans and Democrats, is that Democrats go out there in search of a crime, Republicans go out there in search of the facts. I mean, that's really the difference here. And the facts are leading more and more towards Joe Biden in the sense that evidence comes out every single day that he lied about his involvement and his knowledge in his family's alleged influence peddling schemes, that he wasn't telling the truth time and time again, that bank records showing all of this money flowing to his family members and their associates. And you're exactly right to point out that this is the one crime that uh, potentially can't be connected to Joe Biden because Joe Biden didn't have anything to do with Hunter Biden and, lying on this gun farm, and, as far as we know. And boy, you hit the nail on the head, Tommy, when you are talking about, like, what, what goes through your mind when you see the talking points 
from CNN and MSNBC, every mainstream media outlet has said, from the New York Times on down, there is no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong in terms of this impeachment inquiry. And I, I see that. I'm like, what? Like, what do you think when you hear that? There's no evidence. There's no evidence. Why are they even doing this? It really is mind boggling. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, wow, how could they say that? And then you remember who you're talking about, CNN and MSNBC. So actually, I know exactly why they're saying that, because they're completely biased. I mean, that's the only reason why they would not look at all of this evidence. I mean, you can tell that the evidence is compelling just by looking at how much the Democrats are changing the goalposts. They went from calling Hunter Biden's laptop misinformation, Russian disinformation. Then we found out it wasn't. Then they said, oh, uh, my, my son Hunter, Joe Biden, said that never received money from communist China or Chinese entities. Then Hunter admitted under oath that he did. Then Joe Biden said, oh, I never discussed these business dealings with Hunter. Then it turns out that on the record accounts say that he was on business calls. You have emails that repeatedly reference Joe Biden's involvement, text message, photos, a voicemail, all showing Joe Biden meeting with these business partners. And then they changed to say, oh, I was never involved <laughs> or in business with Hunter. I mean, the, the goalposts keep changing. I mean, at what point you have to ask yourself, what evidence will Democrats have to see in order to believe what's in front of their own eyes? And I can't answer that question because they're blinded by their own bias. And Tommy, you bring up the media a moment ago. And while I have noticed they've been turning a little bit more on Joe Biden, tightening the screws a little bit, Jen Psaki, who used to work in the Biden administration, goes on MSNBC and says, well, Joe Biden loves his son very much. So apparently, based on the rules of engagement here, as long as you love your family, you've got the green light to break the law and be a scumbag. I've never actually seen, and I hate to say this because it, it really is a, is a terrible thing for Joe Biden to be doing, but someone weaponized their their family in this way. I mean, he's saying that he's a loving father and therefore can do no wrong and therefore can act like a scumbag, like you just said. I mean, that is really weaponizing what really should be a human emotion in a really politically calculated way. It's really a, 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 a worrying thing for Joe Biden to be doing, almost hiding behind his status as a father. And I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like that before in politics where he's really trying to, to dodge all questions by claiming he's just being a good dad and claiming any anyone that points out obvious contradictions is therefore insulting him and his family and, and is just trying to be a good father. I mean, that is ludicrous. It is ludicrous to suggest that Joe Biden calling into business meetings, meeting with business partners, giving Hunter Biden, Biden a, a, a ride on Air Force Two to go to China to meet with business partners, repeatedly uh, letting Joe Biden, uh, letting Hunter Biden basically use his name to sell influence. That is not being a good dad. That is actively encouraging and allowing influence peddling. That, that is not about being a good father. In fact, it's the opposite. It's being a bad father. It's letting your son engage and really highly questionable activity and abuse your office for personal benefit. So for him to go out there and say it's him being a good dad, I think that really is insulting to almost every father out there. And really, have you ever seen anything like this, Tommy? The letter that the White House issued to news organizations on Wednesday saying covering the impeachment as a process story, Republicans say X, but White House says Y, is a disservice to the American public who relies on the independent press to hold those in power accountable. And in the modern media environment where everyday liars and hucksters peddle dis information from Facebook to Fox process stories that fail to unpack the illegitimacy of these claims I went to white out blah 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 I mean they just basically put it out of there that hey here are your talking points here's it's not enough to just say Republicans say this and White House says that that's not enough they're they're dictating editorial coverage of this story 
It really shows that they think the media is on their side, which yes. the media has gone to great lengths to show. I mean, although when I was reading that memo and them saying the media needs to call out false claims, I was thinking they must have gotten rid of all the mirrors in the White House. I mean, they must not <laughs> you know, it's like, look in the mirror. I mean, the dishonest claims on this story have come from Joe Biden to the start. We've already ran through a few of those. I mean, for the media to scrutinize this issue more, I think the White House is going to actually regret that call. I mean, does the White House really want more coverage of Joe Biden's lies, more coverage of the millions of dollars that went to the Biden family and their associates. There should be more coverage of it. But the White House calling for that shows that they expect the media to really just fall into line as opposed to looking critically at this issue. But I have a feeling the more the media covers this issue, the more the the White House is going to regret them calling for that coverage. Right. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Catch some of his work at RNC Research. Tommy, have a great weekend. We'll do it again next Friday. Hey, thanks. You guys too. Thanks for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Cameron Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here, also live in studio with us. A longtime friend of the show. His name uh, his name is Riyadh. He is the president of the St. George Middle Eastern Festival, happening once again in Fishers this weekend. It's a gigantic event spanning multiple days. Riyadh, how are you, my friend? Glad to have you back. Thank you, thank you, Nigel Hammer. Appreciate it very much. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Well, you. I think people need to know that this is a gigantic festival. It's a t- tradition. You've been the president for what nine years? Nine years, right? Is that now. how long has it been going? Or no, much longer this is than that? Twenty-six years. Oh, but 26 I've been, years. I've been uh, active so far, but now I'm the president for a chairman. You can cheer for a nice last nine but, years. But you like this electrical engineer? <laughs> you got this real job, and, the, and yet you're the head of one of the biggest festivals that happen in Indiana. Tell us about the St. George Middle Eastern Festival. St. George Middle Eastern Festival started about 26, 36, 26 years ago at Sherman Drive. Uh, you know where that is? Uh, oh yeah, sure. 40th and Sherman, yeah. and then we moved to uh, our new location in Fishers, Indiana, about 10 years ago. Uh, we must we missed one years because of COVID, but we're back in uh, big force, and we have over 7,000 people show up to the festival. How were you able to wow. survive? Because a lot of festivals they closed for COVID and they never came back. How were you able to keep this going? We kept it going by being very cautious about how we pref- how we prepare food and how we serve it. And, and we have and, a big response. And plus, just the 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 tradition. Yes. I mean, you ain't gonna let one year of COVID stop something as massive as the St. George Fest. No, no, Fishers, we decided right? we're gonna move forward. As I told you before, you know, this is a big event, big fundraiser for our charity ministry and for the church, and we want to move forward and continue that tradition. And you brought when I say you brought a spread in here, <laughs> this looks like something you would find on somebody's Thanksgiving table. I mean, we've got like containers, we've got bowls we've got beer we've got wine tell us a little bit about what we got here okay the major thing over here from the from my left is the gyros that's Uh-oh. a famous thing the oh, gyros yeah. is a big time uh, seller for us and then as you know grape leaves it's a, a middle eastern Love tradition the grape leaves i'm going to eat with, one right with now the, dip with, one in sauce, there. with the dip sauce okay we have the kibbe it's like a meatloaf american meatloaf it's a mm-hmm. kibbe cracked wheat and stuffed with rice and uh, meat and pineapple oh man and then falafel is vegetarian if you are a vegetarian that would be a very good dish uh, vegetarian don't mind if i do with the falafel sure no problem and then we have the traditional hummus 
Oh, there you go. Now, Nige, you were telling me that your kids get into this, right? Well, I'm bringing this home to my kids. The hummus, <laughs> okay, enjoy it. <laughs> the hummus and the, um, and the, pita, uh, bread. the pita bread. So good. Uh, the food at this place is incredible, right? Thank I mean, you. Thank you very much. We have uh, two brand new dishes. As you see them, the, we have the lentil dish. We ooh. call it mujaddara. It's made of, uh, of rice and lentil. And then we saute onion on top of it. It has salad and sour cream on top Can't of it. To What's that it. called again? Because you're going to have to slow down. I'm from Beach Grove, Indiana. I went to school in Muncie. I know you're from Beach Grove. <laughs> you're going to have to slow down just a little bit. What's that called again? Mujaddara. Mujaddara. Got, you got yeah, it. Look at that guy. Look at this. It's, it's a lot more than just food at the St. George Fest. Yeah, right? we have all kind of stuff. Uh, first of all, before we get into that, I would like yeah. to thank our sponsors. Oh, we yeah. have big sponsors. Uh, we have Taft Law Firm. We have Ascension Health this mm-hmm. year. Uh, very good. We, we thank that. We have Tempe uh, Health Management. We have Canal Pistro. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that we have, uh, Fisher's Art and Culture Commission. Okay. They okay. Were very friendly to us and uh, gave us a nice grant for the music. I'm glad you were able dancing. to list off all those sponsors because that gave me time to eat the, uh, the grape. Uh, the grape <laughs> yes, and entertainment is coming out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we have live by, music. But yes, live music. David Hakim. Okay. And then we have a folk dancing group coming from from uh, Detroit. Oh, hammer! We have the, to go. Yes. Uh, we gotta go perform. Seven yes. <laughs> seven seven member team. Nigel and I were gonna start our own folk, folk group. It was yeah. called Folk Me, Folk You. <laughs> Riyadh liked that one. Uh, <laughs> you guys are awesome. Right. How okay? Because this is a giant thing. Parking doesn't need to be an issue. There are like bus, uh, there's yes. shuttles and stuff like that, right? Yes, it, we have secured busing uh, for buses, uh, run continuously between our church and Hoosier Road Elementary School. We secured parking lot just behind the church of 121st and uh, Hoosier, yeah, Hoosier Road. Road there, elementary, right? Five dollar parking. Yes. And the million dollar question: Where can people get tickets? Do you have to buy them in advance? Can you get them like walking up at the event? Yeah, you can buy tickets in the event, uh, or you can pay credit card or cash. So we take uh, all kind of uh, money. Can you do it right at the door? Yes, like you if you're deciding, you know what, I'm driving around Fishers, I see this big awesome event, I'm going to stop. You can get tickets and just go yeah, in. Go in. If it's a free admission. The only thing you pay five dollars for parking and get there early. I mean, it's a big crowd. It I is mean, a big these, crowd. These are it's big, a big, very days. big crowd. You said like seven thousand total. Seven thousand total people wow. for that three right, days. Let's, let's break that record this year, everybody. Let's do it, Fishers. Now, what's this little bottle of vino you got over here? My All right, friend? this is a special. Came from Lebanon. We want. Okay. Oh, you're kidding. We want something different. So this. Here we decided to bring some uh, Middle Eastern flavor. Beside the food, mm-hmm. we brought wine. So this is a Lebanese white wine uh, produced here, but uh, shipped from Lebanon. Okay. Now the this bottle. is not a boxed wine. This is the good stuff. Here, <laughs> this right? is the good stuff. <laughs> oh, cheers, when you guys. taste, you, when you, you already taste poured it, you're going to see that. All some. right. Well, let's take a little taste Enjoy here. Cheers. It. Here's to St. George Fest at Riyadh. Hey, thank you, Riyadh, for oh, coming in good. and bringing this spread. That wine is delicious. The wine, the food, the music, the arts. And then, and it's all for an amazing cause, right? Yes, yes. The charities. Yes, the charity. Yes, we are yeah, sponsoring right. a big charity this year. It's the Fisher Youth Assistant Program. There's a free lunch uh, program that uh, St. George is part of that for the last few years. Awesome. You're the man. Thank you so Thank much you, for coming Riyadh. in. We love Thank seeing you. Thank you for having here. you. Appreciate that very much. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. Oh, man. It is the weekend. And here in just a little bit, we will officially kickstart the weekend with Beer Sample Friday. 
that's coming up in just a little bit. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Hey now. Allison is here. And I think it's time that somebody else joins our party. I think it's time to welcome in wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Happy birthday, Katanji drowned Jackson. So yesterday, Nige, Joe Biden did a speech. And yeah, he was in uh, Maryland. Something about Bidenomics, right? Boy, it had yeah. a little bit of everything in this speech. <laughs> yeah. Everything, of course, except for answering questions. <laughs> no questions for the press? Well, they were wondering oh, yeah. about Hunter Biden's indictment. Mm. You know, as the father, what do you think? What are your thoughts? And he just sat there. Reporters were around him, but he just sat there talking to people, had that just dead look on his face. The mouth and, agape. Right. Did not answer any questions. But we did get a number of things. We got a lie. I taught at the University of Pennsylvania for four years, and I used to teach political theory. What? Joe Biden says he taught at the University of Pennsylvania, and he taught political theory. Here's my narrator voice. But that never happened. <laughs> the real fact check, the real reality, is that Joe Biden was paid a million dollars and never taught a single freaking class. Well, the other side part of that is there is the, the they created the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Education in 2017. Shortly after they created that Biden Center, it's kind of funny, like $54 million worth of, of anonymous donations from China came in to Penn, which, by the way, that center also housed some of the classified documents. It was one of the early places searched. Oh, yeah. So we got a lie. Just saying. We also got whispers and yelling. <laughs> no. Here's Joe Biden randomly start screaming about drug prices. You're going to pay somewhere between 20 and 40 percent less than those other countries. Same exact drug made by the same exact company. <laughs> I can't control the sound of my voice. <laughs> his, his inner monologue is a little off, I think. So we had a little <laughs> energy there from Grandpa. But then, like on brand, we got some creepy whispering. The new economic vision has been labeled by those in the Wall Street Journal and the London Economist and some of the more conservative press as Bidenomics. Well, they didn't mean it as a compliment at first. And they still don't. But now they're getting it. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Come on. Play the one. Can, I'm sorry, just can, Allison, can you play the Biden yelling one real quick before we move on again? Because that honestly to goodness startled me and I, I'm sitting here perform, you know, doing the show. You're going to pay somewhere between 20 and 40% less than those other countries. Same exact drug. Jeez. Hey. Oh. Oh. Made by the same exact oh. company. Okay. Somebody turn on Matlock <laughs> and give Grandpa his meds. And then on top of that, like, the creepy whisper just, it freaks me out. You know, like, Jesse Kelly gets freaked out when banks close. I get freaked out. <laughs> When Joe Biden does that whisper. You have to be very familiar with the uh, commercials that we play on the station to get that reference. <laughs> and this brings us to great moments in creepy Biden whisper oh, no. history. Please, please don't. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. <laughs> They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill. The bill. 
on the environment. Pay them more. <laughs> What's happening? Everybody benefits. Makes the hair on your arms sure stand does. up a that little bit. That music doesn't help either. So in the speech so far, make sure you've got your checklist out. We got to lie. We got to yell. We got to whisper. And we got Joe Biden saying he'll get in trouble if he takes questions. Let me close with this. And there's a lot more I know we could talk about. I wish I had a chance to take all your questions, but I'm going to get in real trouble if I do that. Is this like Happy Gilmore? Is somebody like looking at him like off stage doing the throat <laughs> slash gesture like Ben Stiller did to Happy's grandma? It's a warm glass to shut the hell up. Like is elder abuse taking place? Does somebody beat the crap out of the him? The president of the United States, stop saying you're going to get in trouble. Uh, they're going to yell at me here if I take a question. So again, get the checklist oh. out. We got to lie. We got to yell. We got a whisper. We got him saying he'll get in trouble. We also got Joe Biden struggling to read the teleprompter. (laughs) So I'm going to read you the line first, and then you're going to hear Joe Biden read. Quote, MAGA Republicans in Congress are also trying to undo the progress we made to make it, make getting, uh, (laughs) you know, look what I was able to do with what they call G7. Now, that's the transcript. (laughs) Somebody running the teleprompter, they had to have had a bet going on. Like, money had to have been exchanged here. Oh, yeah. Because they made Joe Biden read this really fast. Take a listen. MAGA Republicans in Congress also trying to undo the progress we made to make it, make getting, uh, you know, look, what what I was able to do in what they call the G7 among the NATO countries and European countries. Jeez, he sounds like the old school Micro Machines guy. This is the Micro Machine Man presenting the most midget miniature motorcade of Micro Machines. Each one has dramatic details, terrific trim, precision paint jobs, plus incredible Micro Machine pocket play sets. There's a police station, fire station, restaurant, service station, and more. Mega Republican of Congress also trying to do the progress we made to make it, make it, you know, look. Uh-oh. What, what I was able to do in the, what they call the G7 among the NATO countries and European countries. The Biden bot broke when he couldn't keep up <laughs> with the teleprompter. It's like something short wire. It went haywire with his <laughs> short out in his uh in Mega his Republicans brain. in Congress are trying to do the progress we made. I mean, and then he's just his head spins around, smoke comes out of his ears, and the Biden bot breaks. So we gotta lie. We gotta yell. We gotta whisper. We got him saying he'll be in trouble. Yeah. We got him struggling against the teleprompter. And, of course, we got some good old-fashioned Joe Biden folksy racism, which means it's time to play Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? Now, for those of you unsure about how this game is played, here to explain is socialist sweetheart AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? Okay, Nigel, listen closely. Okay. Is this racist? Joe Biden claiming that African-Americans and Hispanics, for the most part, don't have high school diplomas. We've seen record lows in unemployment, particularly, and I've focused on this my whole career, particularly for African-Americans and Hispanic workers and veterans. You know, workers without high school diplomas. (laughs) Good Lord. You know, like he said, you know, uh, how workers without high school diplomas, you know, that was all script. Right. Right. That was not on the teleprompter. That, there was no way, shape, or form was that on the teleprompter. You know, you know all those people that had diplomas, the Hispanics and the African-Americans. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, that's racist. 
Which brings us to great moments in Joe Biden racism <laughs> history. Where do we begin? This is a speech he gave, I think this was about a year and a half ago, where he says, you know, the Hispanics are not like the blacks. You know, they don't all think alike. Yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community <laughs> with incredibly different attitudes about different things. You know, the black community, they, they all they yeah. all think the alike. But you guys, you guys are diverse. Wow. Great moments in Biden racism history. Here's Joe Biden talking about 7-Elevens in Delaware. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. So I'm not joking. <laughs> I love it. He says, I'm not joking. It wasn't a joke. I was seriously being racist. One more great <laughs> moments in Joe Biden racism history. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Great moments in Joe Biden racism history. Can you imagine if a Republican had just said a fraction of those things that we just rattled off right there? Oh, he'd be working the drive-thru at Wendy's. Donald Trump yeah. said that Baltimore sucks, and it made a CNN anchor cry <laughs> on the air. That's right. Imagine how yeah. they would respond with these things. Amber and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. All right, we all know how to play is this anything. Hammer just hit me. Honestly, this could also be a damn nature you scary. Oh, okay. So at a state park in Texas, a 14-foot-long alligator suddenly made a beeline toward a group of Girl Scouts swimming in a lake. Oh, my God. Parents and guardians went into the water to rescue the girls, and thank God everybody got out safely. By the way, there are gator warning signs posted at this lake. Okay, this is emergency here. The alligator, it's in the water. Uh-huh. Maybe I can maybe I need to help. Maybe I need to help. Look how big it is. Some of us were freaking out a little bit because we just realized that an alligator was about to attack us. I was thinking, this is the day I die. There was no doubt in my mind that that alligator was not going to try and eat somebody. It sounded like pure chaos. And I love the narrator, the guy that has the iPhone. Oh my goodness, it looks like a big alligator. Look how big it is. It's going into the water. It's going to drag a Girl Scout down to the bottom of the lake. And you said, what did you say? There were warning signs at the lake? Signs up all over the place, you know, alligator These area. on parents. Oh, somebody called Child Protective Services. That's unacceptable. 14 feet foot long. Damn alligator, get a bit my hand off. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a big gator, 14 feet. We're not talking about some little thing that's going to bite your toe or whatever. If you saw a, a gator warning sign, would you let your nine-year-old Girl Scout daughter even anywhere near? No. The shore of a lake, much less going, listen, I mean, it sounded like pure mayhem. Remember a number of years ago, there was a family that was at one of those Disney resorts oh, in Florida. I can't even, yeah, I can't even talk about and that. And the gator so dragged awful. a young man right. into the water and killed him. It, was a, it wasn't a man. It was a, it was a boy. It was a toddler. Right, a young boy into awful. the water yeah, and killed awful. him. That was at a popular resort. This is just like in the middle of like the swampy area where there are signs up all <laughs> over the place. Huntsville State Park in Texas. 
<laughs> right. No, thank you. Is this anything? A Canadian woman randomly received 1,000 condoms she didn't order, and it was sent to her house via sure, Amazon. she didn't order them. Okay. She was also charged 670 bucks for the product. Authorities believe it's a scam and that there is a good chance her account was hacked. Here she is talking about the condoms she did not order. We really can't understand what exactly took place um, and, and why we received the package at our house. We clearly did not order this package. It's a lot of money, but I would perhaps try to advertise that I have selling condoms at a discounted price. Um, yeah, Amazon refunded her money, 670 bucks. She can keep all the condoms. So that's, I mean, what's she going to do with 600? Like, what, sell them? Is there a, is there a market? Is there a black market for condoms? I wouldn't think there would be because they're pretty cheap as is. I mean, like, if you're going to the black market for condoms, you're <laughs> yeah. next level poor. Uh, off the top of your head, how many nicknames for condoms? you think you could uh jimmy jim hat um knapsack um rubber rubber that's about it that's all i got off the top of my head love glove love glove no glove no love i heard i read somewhere somebody called it so stupid a lust liner <laughs> lust liner if somebody refers to it as that yeah. You're not having sex. No, I'm yeah. sorry. That's it. We're done. Oh, baby, let me just reach over to the nightstand to get my lust liner before we do our thing. What did you it's just so say? Creepy. I'm going to get my <laughs> underpants and get out of here. Is this a, anything? A bliss barrier? Okay, stop. Stop. Is this anything? Here's a customer at a Whataburger drive through in Alabama talking about. Two rats that are fighting over oh. bread inside of oh. the restaurant. Oh my God, we're at Whataburger in line and look at what's in the window looking at us while it's eating on the bread. Oh my God. Two. No. There was two? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's something. I mean, like, could you ever? I used to eat at Whataburger all the time back when I. Whataburger is like a like a basic burger joint down south. Like they had them in Austin, Texas. They have them throughout the south and the west. Could you ever eat at a place like that again if you saw something like that? Hammer? No, no. That's even if it's your favorite sort of unique fast deal food breaker. restaurant. Yeah. If you saw something like that, you couldn't do it again. Because if the customer saw this thing happening out in public. The staff has to know that's in there, right? Like, clean that up. Do something. It, it, it happened Saturday. The video went viral. The restaurant shut down, and it reopened after a, quote, deep cleanse. That is so, the update. So, two rats yeah. fighting over bread. Former Baltimore Mayor Catherine Pugh, your thoughts? <laughs> Ooh, you can smell the rats. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, 
look who sauntered on in here. The gun guy, Guy Relford, Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor. Happy Friday, Guy. How are you? Man, great. And uh, it's great to be here with you guys on a Friday. This is a, a unique opportunity for me. I'm looking forward to it. Tell me about Hunter Biden's gun charges. He's been indicted. I think there's a couple different charges. How serious are these charges? What do they mean? Could he spend any time in prison? Have you seen people go to prison for these types of charges before? Oh yeah, and 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 I've actually represented more than one client on on all of these issues, these charges or each of them. Um, and the the first one is is basically lying on the the forty four seventy three form in order to be, to buy a gun. The forty four seventy three is the form that you fill out when you go in to buy a gun in a gun store. You have to answer certain questions. One of those is. Are you a user of or addicted to any illegal drugs? He checked no. Um, and then he certified that. And if you lie to a gun dealer, whether on that form or otherwise, in order to get a gun, that's 10 years in federal prison. As and a it wasn't like sentence. he accidentally did the wrong thing or didn't know what he was doing. Later, went on to brag about a lot of this stuff in a book. Oh yeah, well, and that I mean, and prosecutors love nothing more than when they can use your own words against you, and and when when you know he's quoting exactly when he was going through his struggles with crack cocaine, although I don't know, based on recent discoveries in the White House, perhaps his issues with cocaine aren't quite over. We don't we don't know exactly, right? But uh, but yeah, I mean, they can use his own words against him, including in his autobiography, um, to talk about when he was addicted to or a user of cocaine, and it was clearly in this time frame. Then there's a almost identical charge, which is he lied on a form that's maintained that is required to be maintained by a gun dealer as part of its records. That's a separate charge. That's another five years, and then because he is, or according to the indictment a user of or addicted to illegal drugs, he's prohibited from possessing a firearm. So there's lying on the form to buy his gun, and then there's possessing a gun as a prohibited possessor because he's a user of or addicted to illegal drugs. That's also 10 years in prison. So you add all that up, if he were to go to trial and get convicted, and if a judge really wanted to be ornery about it and uh, sentence him to consecutive sentences, he's looking at 25 years in federal prison. But if you're a first-time offender, which yes. somehow this is a first <laughs> offense for Hunter Biden, right. um, it's looking more and more likely like this is going to be a slap on the wrist. Now, if this were not Hunter Biden, guy, if this were anybody in their car listening to us right now that doesn't have a dad that's the president of the United States, what would be the most likely sentence for that well, person? It depends on what county you're in, right? I mean, if you're in Ryan Mears' court... Well, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're getting an ankle yeah, brace. And, and, and you're, here you're, you're talking about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're here, you're talking about federal district. And and listen, for someone with, right. with, with quote unquote, no criminal history, first of all, you're not going to get consecutive sentences. Secondly, there's um, what they call the federal sentencing guidelines that apply. And you get you get pluses uh, for some things and negatives for others. Like you get plus if you accept accountability and, and cooperate with the investigation. There's a minus if there are multiple guns involved. The fact that it's just one gun involved, if he would come in, admit everything, accept responsibility, then it would be at way at the low end. And a, pl a, a plea agreement would very likely be to drop the two 10-year 
uh, potential uh, sentence charges and having plead to the five year and uh, and then be on the low end of that. And I'm sure his lawyer at that point would argue for just probation. Right. Now, this is a, still a felony conviction. Even the five year, it's a felony conviction. So if he gets arrested and convicted on, uh, he's been indicted. He gets convicted on this felony. Um, he, I, I could easily see a lawyer arguing that he should only get probation and not do any time in jail. I could see. If, I would not be shocked. Like if I had a, a client sitting in my office right now with these charges, I'd say, listen, what we do, we'll reach a plea, we'll get everything else dismissed, we'll we'll have you plead to the five year. And uh, and then we'll argue you should only get probation. And the U.S. attorney would most likely say, we'll leave that up to the judge. And the judge can then say, well, no, I'm going to give you six months or I'm going to give you a year. Be you totally know me. I'm a judge. betting man. Like, I've got the degenerate special coming up in just a little bit. I'm setting the over under on jail time at 0.5. <laughs> yeah. And I'm taking the under. 0.5 years? Days. Yeah. Days. Guy, days, guy. Days. <laughs> guy, I'm reading a little bit about the original plea deal that blew up. You remember yeah, with right, the sure. uh, tax fraud charges and some other stuff. But the gun charges in that original plea deal include included something called a diversion agreement. Right. And I'm reading here that the the court did not have to approve the diversion agreement. In other words, the judge, in fact, quote here, quote, in fact, it's not entirely clear this will go to trial at all. Hunter's legal team will demand that the court restore the diversion agreement because the judge did not have to approve that part of the process. Which means he could. Uh, what is a diversion agreement? And well, a diversion agreement is where you basically say, "I did it." Um, you know, you give up, but in response to that, um, they say they 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 impose certain diversion restrictions. Like in this case, you say, "Go to." drug rehab or or do drug education and rehabilitate yeah. whatever it might yeah, yeah. be and and then you stay out of trouble for the diversion period which can be a year can be two years can be longer but you stay out of trouble for the diversion period you go you you meet any requirements they impose and then they just dismiss the charge yeah so that's what i'm reading here this say this article according to this article the diversion agreement is still in force since a judge didn't have to approve that diversion See, that's agreement really, in that original plea deal. That's really rare because the plea, plea agreements, and I've not seen the actual diversion agreement itself. Yeah. I understand the, those arguments are going on out there, but typically diversion agreements or plea agreements, either one, they say they're built right into them. This is conditional upon the acceptance of this agreement by the court. And um, and if it, it doesn't have that provision, then somebody's going to be pointing a finger at a U.S. attorney saying, you know, why'd you give this issue away and uh, not require that? Because, you know, if, if, if it's an agreement between Biden and his team and the U.S. attorney's office and it's not uh, dependent on acceptance by a judge, then absolutely they have that argument. And I'll tell you what, it's they've crazy. also got another skate on these charges. Man. They've got another r- really good argument going for him. Again, I'm not rooting for Hunter Biden, and it's rare. I'm looking at this, you know, also as a Second Amendment advocate. I, get it. I understand, yeah, because 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 um, there's a really good argument. In fact, there was just a recent case, Daniels versus U.S. in the Fifth Circuit held that the statute we're talking about, about how if you're a, a, a user of or addicted to illegal drugs, that was unconstitutional, and, and at least as to the defendant involved in that case, because there's not this long uh, history and tradition of depriving people who simply occasionally use drugs or other illegal substances from possessing a gun. 
sweat of the Bruin analysis that you guys and I have talked about several times looks at what's the right, what's the definition, text, history, tradition, what's the history and tradition of regulating this particular right, it said, look, there's that this case, Daniels in the Fifth Circuit, which may likely go up to the Supreme Court, we'll have to see. It said, look, there's a long history of saying, if you're actually drunk or debilitated, then you can't possess a firearm. But there's not a history of regulating firearms to say, if you just occasionally use uh, a recreational drug, that you're prohibited from possessing a firearm. And uh, now that was as applied to a guy who smoked pot every now and then. Well, look at those states that approved, uh, that legalized medicinal marijuana on the state level, still uh, level whatever one drug on the federal level. Did we talk one. about this? Schedule yeah, one it's drug? A, it's, a, it's at the very highest level. It's right up there with so even though it's approved at the state level, it's it illegal. can prohibit you from owning a gun. Yes. They would enforce those laws. Absolutely. and and That's this, interesting. And this decision out of the Fifth Circuit would do away with that. So clearly his team is going to turn around and say, there's not a long uh, history and tradition of depriving people who just occasionally recreationally use crack cocaine. Now, that's a harder argument than with marijuana, for obvious reasons. Right, right. But uh, they're going to clearly float that argument. And and they'll have the Bruin case behind them, which you guys and I have talked about a lot. So we got about a minute left here, Guy. What's next in this whole process? We've had a whole you know, couple days of Hunter Biden indicted, Hunter Biden indicted. What's next? Are we going to get a mugshot? Are we going to get a perp walk? Like the same things everybody wanted for Donald Trump. Are we going to get that with Hunter Biden? Well, when you've been indicted, um, they're going to schedule it for an indictment uh, and uh, an arraignment. Excuse me. They're going to schedule it for an arraignment. And that typically means you just you and your lawyer show up. And uh, and they read you your charges. They tell you what your rights are, um, and then and then occasionally they will uh, they have you surrender to the probation department at that time. So it's not really a perp walk kind of thing. I don't see you know FBI agents or ATF agents showing up at Hunter's house and hauling him off in handcuffs. But then after that all happens, then the the real uh, litigation starts. And what you're going to see is a motion to dismiss based on the statute being unconstitutional. You're going to see a motion to dismiss based on the issue Nige brought up, which is that the the diversion agreement prohibits this prosecution. You're going to see a whole bunch of pretrial wrangling. And then eventually you're going to see a plea agreement right along the lines of what we just talked about. He is the best 2A attorney in the country. Guy Relford, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. (laughs) Yeah. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. The Hammer and Nigel Show. So the Colts and Texans, I mean, it's pretty much pick them, right? Colts on the road. Colts were, I think, a one-point favorite, which might well be a pick em. But yeah, two rookie quarterbacks going at each other. Some would say the bottom feeders of the division going at yeah. each other. You're watching the game, though, right? Absolutely. There's no question I'd watch the game. I just don't know if I'm betting on it or not. I I, I made an emotional, rash, irrational decision to bet 20 bucks Colts money line last week. It looked like they were going to win at one point halfway through the fourth quarter. And then, again, the heart was broken. Even with the spread, they had the ball on the goal line. Multiple cracks to stick it in and cover did not happen. 
But um, if you go to uh, the Hammer and Nigel Show Facebook page, I've got some picks up for this weekend. Hoping to rebound. Last weekend, the gambling gods put on steel toe work boots and kicked me right square in the junk. This week, (laughs) hoping to bounce back, Scott Long gives his picks, college and pro, and the two professionals, uh, the cash man, Alan Cashman, and David Stefanoff, followneverfade.com. These guys are incredibly good at what they do. It's at WIBC.com. It's on the Hammer and Nigel Show Facebook. And I'll also retweet it out here in just a moment, at Hammer and Nigel. See all of our picks. Um, We got college football tomorrow. IU and Louisville, downtown Indy. That's going to be an interesting matchup. But not all of the games are, shall we say, interesting. Tomorrow, it's college football and another weekend of exciting mismatches. Number 12, Utah, takes on the Wildcats of Weber State. Wish the number six Ohio State Buckeyes luck in their game against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Then it's Alabama, who already has a loss this season, but somehow are still ranked number 10. Say what? See if the fix is in when they take on the one-and-one South Florida Bulls. College football mismatches tomorrow. Yep, yep. Who did Alabama pay off to stay in the top 10 after that loss? Man, who did they have to pay off to get into the playoff last? year when true they had the same record as tennessee and tennessee beat them head to head not that i'm bitter all right you guys want to bet on games let's bet on games the degenerate special it's time for hammers degenerate special so while you guys are going to be watching tennessee at florida or maybe iu and louisville I will be watching Liberty at Buffalo, Nigel. Oh, boy. Liberty minus three and a half at Buffalo. That's the line. You are a degenerate. The money you win on this game spends the same as an SEC game. So Buffalo, they're off to an 0-2 start, while Liberty is 2-0. Now, Liberty's got a pretty good quarterback. He's a dual threat kid. He can run. He can throw. They beat Bowling Green in the opener, and they followed by beating New Mexico State. Meanwhile, Buffalo lost in week one to Wisconsin, 38 to 17, which isn't bad. But then last week, they lost at home to an FCS school. Fordham beat Buffalo. Donald Trump, your thoughts on FBS teams losing at home to FCS teams? They're dead. They're dead. As far as I'm concerned, they're dead. I just don't see Buffalo being able to stop Liberty's top 10 rushing attack Patrick Henry, your thoughts? I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me death! Damn right, baby! Cue up the band, Allison. And I'm proud to be an American. I'm an American. I'm with Patrick Henry. I'm taking liberty. I'm laying three and a half. Liberty covers. That, my friends, is your degenerate special. Get the pics on our social media at Hammer and Nigel. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! 
My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with some very special guests on the WIBC hotline. Our friends over at the Murder Sheet podcast, Anya and Kevin. To be honest with you, they have done the very best work in covering the horrific Delphi murders of a number of years ago where Abby and Libby lost their lives. The suspect, Richard Allen, in custody. All the dominoes are getting placed right now, Anya, where the trial will begin. What is the absolute latest in regards to Richard Allen, the guy that is charged with these heinous murders? The absolute latest is that it's going to go off in January. I believe it starts January 8th and is projected to last about three weeks into January 26th. And that's where we are right now. Okay, so Kevin, let me go over to you with your legal background here, your background of being uh, involved in the law and being an attorney. What have we heard from Richard Allen's defense over the last couple of days? Uh, just yesterday, they filed a couple of interesting motions. One was a motion asking not just for the trial, but for all pre-trial hearings to be televised. They say they do this because they want uh, they want there to be transparency in the process, and because they recognize there's a lot of interest in this process, and they feel it could help people learn more about how the judicial process actually works. And Kevin, do you agree with that assessment, or do you think there's something more to the defense requesting that everything be televised? Uh, I tend to agree with it because I certainly know there's been a very high level of interest in every scrap of detail about this case. And anytime uh, Ani and I have covered one of these pretrial hearings, we get deluged with emails thanking us for going into so much detail and saying, people think, I didn't understand that this was how the process worked. Do you honestly feel like the defense of Richard Allen feels like they've got a chance to get him off? Or are they trying to do this in hopes of a mistrial, in hopes of some sort of lighter sentence? What's your gut telling you? Certainly, every indication they've given so far is that they believe he is factually innocent. And they are fighting hard and doing everything they can to get him uh, acquitted, ultimately. Now, Anya, we also heard that the defense wants the search warrant evidence thrown out. Take us through why that's something of note. Yes, this is another suppression hearing, and this is interesting because at the last hearing we went to on June 15th, which is also the last hearing that occurred in this case, there was talk about a Franks v. Delaware motion from the defense, and that's a situation where you're having the defense accuse law enforcement of either lying or omitting something, and so this latest filing is still very vague about what exactly that could be, but it expands upon it a little bit where they're asking for evidence to be suppressed from the search warrant owing to that there being um, inaccuracies or rather falsehoods in that. And they're not saying what those falsehoods are. It's very, very vague. So Kevin and I are in a position where we're like, well, I mean, let's see what they have to say, but we're we're not going to necessarily jump to conclusions here. But it would be um, a huge strategic win for the defense if they were able to suppress the gun, which was found in Mm. Richard Allen's house, you know. Well, that was that was my next question is is the prosecution like what's the number one 
for lack of a better term, smoking gun that the that the prosecution has. Is it the casing that was found at the bodies that was traced back to Richard Allen's house and the gun that he owned? Is I mean, is that do you think, in your opinion, maybe the number one piece of evidence that they are counting on here? I believe it is because that casing, if you trust the analysis of it, is the only piece of physical evidence that places Richard Allen at the murder scene. And if you get that thrown out or if you get experts to come in and say the analysis shouldn't be trusted, then that gives a huge uh, win for the defense. Yeah, and I'll add that, you know, in these pretrial motions, a case can be won or lost because mm. the defense is going to be trying to get everything they can thrown out. And the prosecution is going to be trying to keep everything they can in. So you're seeing the struggle. And the defense, you know, as Kevin said, has multiple avenues to attack the, the ballistics evidence here, uh, you know, even if they even if it stays in, they can have experts say, well, it's not that reliable and whatnot. But um, it would be a massive coup if the defense got that tossed out. Although I will say that especially in Indiana, search warrants are typically, you know, kind of thought to be valid. And, and there's, you know, a pretty high threshold you need to clear to get something tossed out. I feel like another avenue the defense of Richard Allen is going down is his state of uh, mental health. Has there been any more reporting on I mean because he's didn't he essentially on the phone confess to the killings to his wife at one point and and then the response from his defense team was like yeah no he's he's not mentally well is that still a is that still an avenue they're going to go try to go down here with him yeah, that's a really good question, and it's such a mysterious moment in this case. Yes. We're hearing from the prosecution that he is confessing like five to six times to his wife and mother, so not exactly like a detective haranguing him, like people who are supporting him, yeah. on the phone, and it's recorded. Now, the defense is characterizing it as incoherent and just kind of vague and, and not, not a very good confession, um, and, and what the, like the last time we really heard about his mental health, it's essentially that mental health professionals from Westville, where he's incarcerated, checked him over and basically had a conversation with him. And they basically decided together that he did not need to be forcibly medicated. And, and so that's sort of where we leave off. So we've not heard of any sort of other incidents. Prior to that, there was talk about him eating paper, eating, you know, papers that he was supposed to be reading, um, you know, being kind of incoherent. Uh, his defense attorneys described him as delusional or rather psychotic. And, and so that's sort of where we step off, where you have these mental health professionals saying, we don't feel like forcible medication is necessary at this time but it was definitely a very dramatic moment and one i think is going to have to be revisited by both the defense and the prosecution we're speaking with anya and kevin they are part of the murder sheet podcast they've been doing a great job covering the delphi murders and richard allen the suspect that has been charged with those murders in the upcoming trial so let's go back to the cameras in the courtroom here for just a moment. If the judge allows this, and it sounds like the judge historically has been in favor of cameras in the courtroom, is there a threat or a fear, I should say, that as big as this trial is going to be, as much interest as this is going to have, specifically in Indiana and maybe across the country, that this thing could kind of turn into a circus? 
Yes. And and I think there may even be some feeling among people close to this case that it already is a circus. Oh, and wow. it's, is it going to become a, a, you know, a three ring circus instead of just one? And it's very much, um, I think, a valid fear. I will say that the under Indiana rules, the judge would have a lot of discretion about, you know, when to allow cameras. Are there no cameras allowed at certain things? But maybe for others, it's OK. So she would be able to kind of. Um, have some control over that to a certain extent. There's also currently a situation where in order to really view what's going on, you have to be in the courthouse. And so there might be a feeling that maybe hopefully this encourages some people to stay home. If there's a pool system set up where the media is essentially sharing a camera and everyone's getting the same footage, maybe that reduces the number of reporters there. So I could see where it kind of maybe tamps down or allows you to kind of control the chaos. But I can also see it um, turn Turning into a debacle where you have other high-profile trials where, you know, everybody on TikTok is analyzing yeah. people's facial expressions. And it just becomes, frankly, very stupid very quickly. And, and I'm sorry if you've touched on this already. Has the prosecution made any comment about the request for cameras to be in the courtroom? Prosecution has not made any comments, so okay. it's, it's, we don't know if they'd be against it or for it. Uh, they've given no indication either way. And one thing with this case is that, you know, in, in, traditionally defense attorneys would probably be more likely to be against having cameras because there could be prejudicial issues. We, we're seeing that in the Idaho case with Brian Koberger. His defense attorneys want to kick all the cameras out because they're like, you're making him look really creepy. So, um, But there's different strategic benefits or, you know, problems that arise with cameras. But so far, we've not heard from Nick McClellan's office about whether they care or whether they don't want it or whether they agree that they want it to. Anya and Kevin with the Murder Sheet podcast. If somebody wants more information or they want to follow your work on this specific case or others, where can they go? If you like to, uh, you know, subscribe to us, just search The Murder Sheet, that's S-H-E-E-T, on any podcast platform that you enjoy, and subscribe. And we label all of our Delphi episodes uh, with the Delphi murders ahead of time, so you can follow along with the case. Anya, Kevin, great work. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! California Costco employee is getting high praise, Hammer, for returning an envelope full of cash that he found while he was working. His name's John. He's talking about finding this envelope with almost $4,000 in it. And with the help from his managers, he tracked down the rightful owner and returned the cash. Here he is. It was crazy because when my manager walked um, me outside and the member was right there, she was shaking my hand for like a good 20 seconds. I'm like, dang. So, um, yeah, she told me like, oh, you know, I'm so glad, you know, you found this and that's for my kids to go to school. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm happy to help. Are you okay with this? No, because I don't believe that money was for the kids to go to school. <laughs> There's only one group that carries cash around 
to this level, and it's narcotics dealers. <laughs> it's just, I'm so cynical in my life, I was thinking the exact same thing. So this Costco employee <laughs> gave a drug dealer back his money. We don't know that for sure. And now... The neighborhood's going to be loaded with fentanyl. Congratulations. I hope you won Employee of the Month. He did. I hope you got that good parking spot. I hope it was worth it. He did. Because of his good deed, he, he has always said his goal was to be Employee of the Month there at Costco in California. And yeah, lo and behold. If I were in this situation, so the, I, here's what I would do. Right. I would want to set an example for my kids that I'm actually a decent guy. So if I found this envelope, I would go up to the front desk of Costco and say, Look, I found this envelope with $500 in it. Make sure that this goes to the rightful owner because I'd hate for them to be out $500. $3,500 short, but sure, I understand what you're saying. All right, uh, take us back to the beginning of the pandemic, 2020. A little show comes out called Tiger King. Do you remember this, Hammer? Oh, yeah. Uh, this was on Netflix, correct? This was a national sensation. Just as everybody got locked down, this Netflix series about this trashy group of hillbillies <laughs> that you know have tigers and they train them and they go around the country and do things the ringleader of it all was a guy by the name of joe exotic yes. and he ultimately got arrested and thrown in the hole for attempted murder of somebody who thought his work with animals was bad carol baskin so <laughs> that witch Joe Exotic <laughs> is still locked up behind yes. bars. And what was great about the show is that the tooth to limb ratio was off the charts. <laughs> what do you mean? Because the tiger had ripped off so many limbs? Is yes. That what you mean? <laughs> Most of the people they were interviewing had either lost a limb, <laughs> missing digits, and of course, very few people had more than a mouthful of teeth. Sure. Okay. So that being said, now that we know the context here, Tiger King star Joe Exotic Again, behind bars. He's threatening legal action against Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow because of the Tiger King nickname he uses. Are you okay with this? No, I'm not okay with this. So, Joe Burrow did not give himself this nickname. Like, when somebody tries to give themselves a nickname... Yeah, it doesn't work. You're not supposed to do it that way. Yeah. That sucks. So, Joe Burrow's like... I didn't give myself the nickname. The fans call me Tiger King because I'm the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. So Joe Burrow, he wrote a, I'm sorry, Joe Exotic wrote a letter to Joe Burrow. Really? And this is how it starts. To Joe Burrows. And he puts an S at the end of his name. <laughs> right there, that's all you need. Uh, right. That's all you need. So no, I'm not okay with this. But what it does is give us a chance for great moments in Tiger King history. Oh, my goodness. After he was locked up, remember, Joe Exotic was trying to get Donald Trump to give him a presidential <laughs> pardon, and Trump had a press conference. Somebody asked him about it. Next thing you know, Trump's giving Jim Acosta a hard time about it. Go ahead. Um, so it, one of the biggest rating hits um, of the coronavirus, aside from these briefings, has been a show on Netflix called uh, Tiger King. Yeah. And uh, the man who's the star of this is a former zoo owner who's serving a 22-year prison sentence. Uh, he's asking you for a pardon, saying he was unfairly convicted. Um, your son yesterday jokingly said that uh, you know he was going to advocate for it, and I was wondering if you've seen the show and if you have any thoughts on uh, pardoning uh, Joe Exotic. Which son? It must be Don. <laughs> I had a feeling it was Don. Is that what he said? 
I don't know. I know nothing about it. He has 22 years for what? What did he do? He allegedly hired someone to murder an animal rights activist, but he said that he didn't do that. And he was. You think he didn't do it? Are you on his side? Uh, well, I, I'm are you, are you recommending sides, a pardon? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not advocating anything. As a reporter, you're not allowed to do that. You'd be criticized by these. Would you recommend a pardon? I'm not weighing in on time. I don't think Acosta. you would. I don't think you would. Go ahead. You have a question? Like I'll take a look. Is that Joe Exotic? That's Joe Exotic. <laughs> I love the the countries in a tailspin and pr- members of the during COVID and members of the press are asking you about Tiger King. <laughs> Even Joe, what, was that Acosta back there? Acosta at the end, yeah. He goes, I do like Joe. I do like it. Whatever, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is that, that's a beautiful thing that Trump actually did sit there and endure that question. All right, uh, Duncan. We all know Dunkin'. The artist formerly known as Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. You still call it Dunkin' Donuts. They have a drink made from blended donuts. (laughs) It also has more sugary options. A new report says a large cup of Dunkin's pumpkin swirl frozen coffee contains as much sugar as 14 donuts. That's 185 grams. (laughs) Oh! <laughs> Sounds like you're okay with this. <laughs> yes, I am. You know what? I honor and I salute the fine folks of Duncan because in this era of Coke Zero, <laughs> Zero Sugar Mountain Dew, you know, everything's got to be on a certain diet. They come out with a double barrel middle finger and say, yeah, our drink is the equivalent of 14 glazed donuts. How do you like me now? So I could tell you more about the ramifications of this, but I think I'll just leave it to Wilford Brimley. Diabetes, 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 diabetes testing supplies. <laughs> A little mood music, please. Oh man, love this song. 44 years ago, 1979. The Devil Went Down to Georgia by Charlie Daniels Band peaked at number three on the pop singles charts. Are you okay with this, Hammer? I'm not okay with the fact that it only peaked at number three. This is one of the f- most fun songs of all time, yep. and it still holds up today. Uh, if you are somebody that's into country music, I don't care if you like Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean, somebody puts on The Devil Went Down to Georgia, you're going to have a good time. So, great moments in Devil Went Down to Georgia history, Nige. This is when some hillbilly started his <laughs> washing machine, and he thought that created the perfect baseline to The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Now, you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil a do. That was the, the drum beat there you heard, was yes. the washing machine. His washing machine going. Okay. And of course, we've played this before. Your favorite, Nickelback, doing their cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Well, the devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that gold guitar down on the ground at Johnny's feet. And Johnny said, Devil, just come on back if you ever want to try oh, again. No, I done told you once, you son of a I'm the best that's oh, ever Here been. it is. I'm sorry, that I like, sucks. I like the heavy riff there, but I don't like the fact there's no fiddle involved. Right. You still got to keep the fiddle right. if you're covering that. I'm glad you bring up the fiddle. This is how I know I'm not going to go to hell. Because a lot of people say, you say crazy things. Are you worried about you know ramifications? <laughs> no. Because if the devil is not smart enough to beat a hillbilly in a fiddle contest, <laughs> I think I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Hammer is right over there. Uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy comes out this week and says, uh, yeah, we're going to do this whole impeachment inquiry thing on Joe Biden and the Biden crime family. Here to break it down for us, nobody better than Breitbart Washington Bureau Chief Matthew Boyle. Welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel show. Um, So for somebody not living in this bubble, Matt, just maybe kind of break this down into the it's to its essence and and explain it to somebody that 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 might be kind of just paying attention peripherally. What is Joe Biden being accused of here? What does an impeachment inquiry mean? Start from the beginning. Yeah, look, um, the House Republicans, since they've retaken the majority in the 2022 midterm elections, have been investigating the president uh, and his conduct, particularly when he was vice president of the United States, and seeing if he improperly engaged in activities that were designed to enrich his family members, his son, Hunter Biden, who gets a lot of the attention because he's quite the colorful character, (laughs) but also Frank Biden, James Biden, Valerie Biden Owens, his sister, right? Frank and James are Joe's brothers. Uh, you know, his daughter Ashley, etc. So the, the the whole family, right? Like, and the, have they been enriching themselves improperly off the uh, positions that they're, uh, you know, in some cases father, some cases brother, etc. Uh, uh, Joe Biden has been in, uh, elected to in uh, serving in in the in the federal government. Uh, you know as dating as far back as a senator through his time as vice president and now his time as president of the United States. What the Republicans in the House have uncovered is a mountain of evidence. They've uncovered suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department uh, has flagged number of transactions, like record numbers of transactions with the Biden family members. Uh, I think it's north of 150 such suspicious activity reports. Most Americans never have a single suspicious activity report. And even one or two is like enough to trigger a serious investigation into what's going on. Uh, so the, that that in of itself is one major piece of evidence. We've also heard from Hunter Biden's former business partners. We've had testimony from Devin Archer, among others. We've had uh, uh, and, and Devin Archer has provided documents, including a letter that was uh, written uh, uh, by then Vice President Biden to Devin Archer. We've heard from other people about meetings and phone calls that Joe Biden has been on. Uh, so the, uh, this investigation has been ongoing, but what the announcement from Speaker McCarthy does is it's an intensification uh, and a uh, acceleration of the ongoing investigations into the conduct or arguably misconduct of President Biden in office. President Trump says that President Biden is the most corrupt president in American history. And I think we've got a lot of smoke around that yeah a so lot of smoke what they're doing is- and, and and the narrative coming from places like cnn it's really a lot like what's your reaction when you hear white house the democrats and members of the media claim that there is no evidence to support a biden impeachment inquiry uh, I, I mean it's really contradictory to the to everything you just presented there Yeah, what I just presented is just the top line. When they say no evidence or without evidence or any of those catchphrases that they've come up with in their little den of 
uh, political operatives at the White House that are that are, are spreading this. It's misinformation. It's disinformation. It's designed to confuse and uh, uh, mislead the American public. Uh, frankly, any media outlet that engages in spreading this dis- disinformation should be ashamed of themselves. The Associated Press yeah. actually was uh, totally defenestrated by pre- uh, by, by uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, this week uh, <laughs> during a press conference because the Associated Press had put out that uh, in one of its stories that it was, there was no evidence for this. Well, then Speaker McCarthy just started listing off several pieces <laughs> of the evidence, some of them that, uh, and asking the reporter from the Associated Press at the press gaggle, like, you know, is that evidence? Is this evidence? Is this? Look, you can disagree with the characterization of the evidence. You can disagree with the accuracy of the evidence. But what we've what I just laid out for you there, and what uh, what what, uh, uh, and there's tons more that, by the way, Chairman Jordan and Chairman Comer and Chairman Smith, uh, the three chairmen who are going to be uh, uh, leading this impeachment inquiry, right? Chairman Jordan of the Judiciary Committee, Comer of the Oversight Committee, and Smith of the Ways and Means Committee, which is the tax writing authority, right? Like, so that's really important because they get at the IRS records and whatnot, and that's where that stuff has come from that led to the Hunter Biden plea deal getting blown up, yeah. right? Like, so they were going to sweep that under the rug. And that's going to be a big focus of this investigation, I believe, right? Like, it's going to be what role did Joe Biden, knowledge and actions, did he have in trying to uh, get the Justice Department to sweep under the rug the, uh, the the clear criminality or alleged criminality of his son, Hunter Biden, uh, who's now been indicted, by the way. This right. week was indicted on gun charges, and I hope that there are more coming, more charges coming on the tax issue and the fair uh, yeah. violations there, but the but the fact is is that what we've got here is a mountain of evidence that. Um that, that that points to a serious problem. And so what they're doing is this is an intensification, and then it allows the three committees to coordinate. These three committees have been doing their own investigations anyway, but now the impeachment inquiry takes it to the next level. Three committees get to coordinate. You're talking about dozens of members of Congress, uh, three different congressional committees, lots of staffers, like probably hundreds of staffers involved in this. And more uh, subpoena power, too, right? I mean, now that it's well, in an yeah, inquiry, and, more and, subpoena and, and, Sure. And the Biden White House will argue until the, such time as there's a formal vote in the House of Representatives. And I uh, still think that that will happen, that, the, that the impeachment inquiry is not legitimate. That's what the Trump White House argued in the 2019 uh, when they were fighting back against it. So I think we'll get to a vote eventually uh, if and when the White House refuses to cooperate with the investigation, mm. which I fully expect them to refuse to cooperate with the investigation. We have not heard from President Biden as to whether or not he intends to cooperate with the uh, investigation into his misconduct. We have not heard from members of his family as to whether or not they intend to cooperate uh, or not. Uh, and the White House has dodged that question when the, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked it at the White House earlier this week. So the fact is, is that what this is, is it's an intensification uh, uh, and acceleration and coordination of the ongoing investigations into the misconduct of Joe Biden as president of the United States. And, uh, and, and ultimately, we may get to a vote in the House on uh, a formal impeachment inquiry, and we may get to a vote on uh, articles of impeachment down the road. We'll see as this plays out uh, how that develops, uh, and we may get to a Senate trial uh, down the road if, if they uh, uh, pass an articles of impeachment and impeach the president, uh, then there would be a Senate trial after that. 
Joe Biden may be convicted or he may be acquitted. I would expect that he probably is acquitted right. by the Democrat-controlled Senate. But ultimately, the real question here is Joe Biden's on trial right now before the American public and the jury is the uh, American electorate. And they will render a verdict whether Joe Biden is guilty or uh, not guilty on Election Day, November 2024. Matthew, Jason Hammer here. So what if Joe Biden decides, you know what, all of this pressure, all of these allegations, it's not worth it anymore. I'm going to, and I'm using air quotes here, resign to help take care of my family. To me, that sounds like something that the Democrats want. They desperately want this guy off the ballot. His approval numbers have never been lower. So I guess the question becomes, could this backfire? anyway on the Republicans if they just keep pushing and poking Joe Biden to the point to where he retires. Because if I'm the Republicans, I want him on the ballot in 2024. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and by the way, he's trailing President Trump in, in, in the real clear politics average of polls right now. He's tra- The new Fox News poll came out late last night. Uh, uh, you've got him trailing um, uh, by 2%. Uh, the, and, and the fact is, he's an extraordinarily weak candidate. Uh, you've also got Democrats and leftists across the media and uh, uh, throughout the political class trying to push him aside. Uh, David Ignatius from The Washington Post just did a big column about this. Uh, all of that said, if there's corruption there with Joe Biden and there's evidence of it, the Republicans should pursue it for the right reasons, no matter what. Right. Like no matter what the consequences are and then let the chips fall where they may, because if we start playing these games of we want this candidate over that candidate to face in the general election, then what ends up happening is uh, you don't do the right thing. And then the public doesn't have all the information when they go to the polls. And I think that the 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 Speaker McCarthy is to be commended here, as are the Republicans who are leading these investigations. Uh, and what their job is, is to get the truth, get it out there so the American public has the information. And don't let the trips fall where they may. And I think if the American public is informed at the ballot box next year, Joe Biden will be rejected. Uh, we know that from the, uh, the the polls after the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story in the lead up to the 2020 election. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that if they try to push Biden aside or if Biden decides to step aside or something like that, like you're talking about there, uh, then uh, good luck to the white man that tries to take out the yeah. black woman, Kamala Harris. Right. right? Like, I don't think that they're going to get their wishes of a Gavin Newsom ticket or something like that. (laughs) Kamala Harris is next, and she will undoubtedly lose a general election to Donald Trump or any Republican. Uh, uh, And and frankly, the primary is basically over. Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. We all kind of know it at this point, right? Like, look at the numbers. He's through the roof. So the fact is, is that uh, uh, if they if they take out Joe, they're stuck with Kamala. They can't get rid of her, right? That was the whole deal with Jim Clyburn right. back in the day. He knew what he was doing, yeah. right? Like when he put her in there, right? Like and so the the fact is is that I don't think they're going to be able to get their dream other candidate other than. Kamala. So if they take out Joe, they're stuck with her because she would become the president right away, right? If he resigned the presidency or something, or decided he's not running, she's she's she automatically assumes the office, right? That's how the Constitution works, and I don't think that works out so well for the Democrats. Got about forty-five seconds here left uh, with uh, Breitbart, Washington bureau chief Matt Boyle uh, pivoting to Hunter Biden real quick and the federal gun charges. Do you think, uh, like in your gut, like what are you hearing? Do you think he'll spend a day behind bars? It's going to be like a GPS I mean, monitoring system or something like that. 
I have no idea how this yeah. one shakes out. I have no idea. I just hope it's the beginning of broader effort yes. by uh, Justice Department to hold them accountable. They got to go after Mo Farah and tax violations. We know he broke the law. Yeah, the Farah, the Farah one, yeah. the the Foreign Agents Act. That that's a biggie right there, isn't it? Yep, because it connects into President Biden. If yep. they indict him on that, Joe Biden would be an unindicted co-conspirator in the matter. All right, Breitbart uh, Bureau Chief Matt Boyle, always the best, and have a great weekend, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, you bet. Thanks, guys. Right now, Hammer and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Uh, Beer Sample. Fry. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. All right, coming up, uh, we have uh, more details, uh, more fallout for that Hunter Biden felony gun indictment, plus uh, much more on the uh, auto workers' strike. Right now, though, Beer Sample Friday, sponsored by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Hammer has provided libations here. The title of this beer, Nige, I believe was Rob Kendall. Nickname in high school. <laughs> okay, this is from Brewlink Brewing Company in Plainfield. It's an all green can with slime painted all over it. The name of this is called Ugly Little Spud. <laughs> Ugly little spud. And uh, it looks like something Nickelodeon just threw out there. Yeah. Like the, the slime coming well, down. Well, I wonder if this is a uh, tribute to reverence to Slimer from Ghostbusters when Bill Murray calls him ugly little spud, isn't he? I right. Think he, I think he can hear you, Ray. <laughs> Crack uh, it open, man. Let's right, see. Let's try it here. This is, uh, this is ugly little spud, matcha tea, and kiwi sour. So this is kind of a sour. And I will pour you a glass. Pour a little in there as we kickstart this weekend. We've got college football downtown tomorrow. Oh, yeah. IU, IU and Louisville. Oh, look, it's <laughs> it is kind of green. It's very green. It's it, this is a sour, by the way. So yes. you would expect that. Cheers. Cheers Good to choice. the weekend, everybody. Let's make it a great one. That's delicious. That is really, really good. Brewlink. Oh, man. Always, it smells good. It tastes they good. They always have the craziest arts, graphic arts on their cans, right. too. I don't know where they get that or how they do that. It's Whoever cool. their graphic designer yeah. is, they're earning their paycheck. This is really good. All right. The weekend has been started.